BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services and in partnership with Beast OCR. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related, running, endurance, conditioning, rucking, and more. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike with BeastNet here, and on this episode, Charity is actually going to introduce or interview Allison Ty. So how are you guys doing, ladies? Very well, thank you. No, not too bad, not too bad. All right, so Charity, this is, you go ahead and take over. Okay, well, thank you, first of all, Mike. Uh, I've got to get used to this uh, hosting gig here. And as always, Allison, thank you for your time. We know that you've been very busy with many different projects as usual, so definitely appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, Charity. Um, as you know, but most people on this podcast don't, we have been friends for years, so it's mm-hmm. Really cool. And, you know, I just moved away from the the city. And so it's just nice to be able to reconnect with you and to be able to do that on a podcast with a ton of other people is just extra fun. It is for sure. And uh, it, it's funny because I think that we knew each other online first before person. I'm pretty sure it was Sunrun a few years ago where we finally met. And it's like, my goodness, so I've been talking oh, this long. And... Yes. Yeah, 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 definitely. Funny. Oh, yes. Very ironic. All right. Well, uh, so everyone, this is, uh, we're going to chit chat to Alison Ty a bit about, you know, where she's come from, uh, her racing background in case you don't know who she is. Cause you might not, you might be new to the sport and we'll talk a bit about grit farm fitness, just to kind of see what she's been up to since the move, what plans she's got. And, uh, we'll kind of go from there. Um, so Alison, just in case people do not know who you are, why don't you tell us a bit about your background? Oh man. Okay. <laughs> well, where do I begin? Um, I'll just maybe do the short farm Cole's note version. Uh, basically I grew up totally not athletic and I started running in college. Um, didn't run a step before that. Not even if I was going to miss the bus, got into ultra marathon, got into Ironman. And, um, then I got hit by a truck and I broke my back and my pelvis and my arm, a ton of nerve damage, 25% disability rating, pretty much couldn't move for a year. And so when I got back into running, I was trying to get back into triathlon, but I had all this nerve damage in my arm, so I couldn't swim. And I was terrified of the bike because, you know, I got in this big bike accident that caused this big wreck. And so I ended up getting into doing a lot of just different things like CrossFit and then eventually found OCR and just loved it, loved it. And so with my background in like extreme endurance stuff, like, you know, ultra marathons and Ironman and stuff, I took very quickly to long distance obstacle course racing, of course, because I am like steady Eddie over here and uh, I just love to be out and about and have these like long adventures. And so obstacle course racing um, and the distance stuff really suited me well. So I I love the sprints and, you know, I love it all and I've done it all. Um, But I do really have a special place in my heart for the distance stuff. So I've done a lot of like ultra beasts, um, toughest mutter, world's toughest mutter. I did the OCR world championships in Australia. Um, not the last year in 2019, but in 2018, the first year there, I did this, uh, the one that was in Iceland that first year. So, you know, I've done a lot of these like really fun long events and I've done the short stuff too, but yeah, I do definitely have a special place in my heart for those long, like spend your day out there, grind kind of events. Yeah, I know definitely, and, and people can't see it because we're on a podcast. But I'm I'm looking at the computer, shaking, you know, nodding my head because we know that uh, you seem to thrive in the long. I don't want to say the suffering events, but you seem to thrive under pressure. I remember actually when they did the one and only toughest mutter. It was there a couple of years ago. There was a start line snafu where the elites got directed the wrong way, so they were all running the wrong way. And then Allison came back to where we were volunteering at. Um, operation all laughing and smiling like hey how's it going like you know most people get really annoyed and she was like hey 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 so every endurance event i've seen you at even that beast at sun peaks always happy always smiling so you you seem to like to suffer just a wee bit (laughs) you know what and i think a lot of the the success that people find in long distance events is just being able to take whatever comes to them and be positive about it. Just be, you know, like relentlessly positive and take everything as a challenge. Like it's not like only I went the wrong way. And even if only I went the wrong way, it just adds a little extra challenge to the event. Like, you know, it's just, it's really like almost like a life philosophy about just taking these obstacles and just enjoying the challenge of them. 
you know, and uh, I think if you can be happy, right, no matter what you're doing, because happiness really does come from the inside, that you can kind of confront anything in life, whether it's like, you know, a 24 hour world stuff is mud or an ultra beast or whatever. And it's, you have those same very real struggles and it's not the external stuff. It's not even the situation that you're in. It's how you confront them. Right. So I think it's been a really cool thing for me to be able to do. Um, and a big part of kind of what's made me who I am today is just, you know, getting to do these crazy long adventures and having to suffer and having to sit with that and having to like make those decisions about who I am and how I respond. Because at the end of the day, how you respond to these challenges, to this, you know, hardship, that's really who you are. So I think it's just a fantastic thing that I've had the opportunity, you know, to do all these races and um, to be able to just be joyful and happy no matter what, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Now, someone, okay, so it's, wow, it's 2020 already. So I did my first OCR 2013. So someone who's been in it for a while now, we laugh and we joke and we talk, but you truly do bond when you're out there. And the best stories, I think, are the ones when you come on course where you've hit that wall or you've hit that obstacle you can't do or you just need that one high five to get you over. And I think that uh, in a way, like there's nothing wrong with different kind of races, but I think the longer obstacle course races really kind of show you who you are. And at the end of the day, you come out with scratches and, and mud and feeling so accomplished, even if you couldn't, you know, run the the mile before you could, or you got over that wall, you hit those rings. So it's all a sense of personal accomplishment, I think, in our sport. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. It's like the harder and the worse you feel during that race, you bet the better you feel at the finish line, right? It's like the funniest thing, but I think that's why even now, when it really, really, really sucks in a race, and I have to really fight my way through it. And I really want to quit, you know, and I really have to struggle to find the gratitude in that moment is that I know how good it's going to feel to overcome that. So that in terms of warping that in your head, even in the moment after you've done enough endurance racing, it's like you kind of get addicted to that feeling of overcoming like the crappiest possible moments. Right. And I've had races that are like easy breezy. Right. And I just, there's not much, I don't really even remember them. Right. I'm sure I've had those races, but I don't remember them. I certainly don't talk about them. The ones that I talk about are like that time in Whistler when my headlamp went five times. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like stumbling through the dark with Austin Azar. And I mean, there was like no lights or anything, you know, it's just like these moments where you're just like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And that's the stuff that you remember, right? That's the stuff that you can really look back and laugh. Yeah. I remember when Caroline and I were doing the beast in 2017. Wow. I think it was. And we ran into you and I think you were coming back down and we had just started or just gotten near the second peak and you're like, hey, how's it going? By the way, you're not going to like what's coming. And you kind of, you know, you run off and we look. And I think the biggest accomplishment for both of us was getting up to that third peak and getting to the, what they call it, the eye and hitting the time hack. And her and I sat there and we're like, oh my God, we're here. We made it here. We're up here. We have to go down now, but we got up here together. We stick together. And so, yeah, the suffering stories for sure. Oh my gosh. And that race is full of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like. My God, going back out for that second, like so few of the ultra beasters went out on their second lap because they knew what was coming for them. And that hill, like, my God, how many memories were made on that hill? Just like you and Caroline is like, you know, made years and years and years worth of memories for people, even though they suffered so much at the time. Um, it really is something that impacted a lot of people's lives, you know, and a lot of times that's what you remember and you, you forget that how much it really sucked at the time. And you just look back at it at this fond moment of suffering and bonding with your fellow racers. Right. So it's kind of funny how we warp things as humans, but um, they definitely make the memories. Right. Yeah, and I remember getting to the slip wall just before the fire jump. And I looked at Carolina. I'm like, how do we do this again? Cause I think we'd been on the mountain at that point over 10 hours. And I'm oh. like, how do I get over that? I'm like, here's the rope. I'm like, what do I do? She goes, it's okay. I'm like, are you sure it's okay? Cause I'm done. I'm like, there better be a fire over there. Cause I'm like, so done. But, you know, <laughs> just Stuff like that. Like even after coming home from the race, like I saw Spartan apples, they might've gotten flipped off in, in, in jest and just things like that. But you remember it. So it's truly, and Mike, you know, you can pipe up and agree if you want, but the suffering of the sport, I think what makes it different from just running or, you know, swimming or things like that. Oh no, I agree. I've, I started off running for a long time and had given up. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then it was OCR that got me back into it because it's, 
it broke the monotony. Just running for hours on end, I, I hated it. I got bored, and there was no community. And OCR, there's such a huge community, and it's never boring. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, and I think, Allison, you'd mentioned that, too, that you'd run for a long time, and you're like, hey, look, I get to jump over things now. So that, I think that's the big draw for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I love running, love it. Just even just the feel of running, it's just so freeing, right? But there's something about crushing obstacles that's just so much friggin' fun. And it's why, like, my kids, I can get them to go for a run, right? They don't love it. But if I start veering off, and even when we go hiking, like we go hiking in the backyard here, and they have separate paths that go over and under trees, right? And like across log bridges and stuff, and they never walk up the normal path. And it's funny because like we were walking up there with their friends the other day, these little kids, and they were like, oh, we're so tired. We can't do another step. So I was like, let's jump off onto my path. And all of a sudden they're like running up, right? It's just like the enthusiasm level just jumps like a hundred points when there's obstacles and things to crawl. Kids love it. Adults love it. It's just something that is so much more fun than that. Just kind of grinding it out of running. It's the same thing with Sierra. Uh, Sierra's my, in case the audience doesn't know, she's uh, me and Ryan's seven-year-old daughter and she randomly does things. Now like I'll be working out and she'll come and run beside me on the treadmill. The other day, as a joke, she's like, can I have candy? I'm like, then give me 10 burpees. She got downstairs doing burpees. I'm like, mama was kidding, but okay. Like just stuff like that to see them do stuff like that. So cute. Yeah. My, so you know how people do that 500 burpees? Yes. On- <laughs> yes. <laughs> my daughter, we joked that she could have, I can't even remember what it was. It was something very small, like a cookie or something. If she had 500, if she did 500 burpees, just jokingly, she did 700 burpees <laughs> and she made one of uh, our friends count the last 200 because nobody else could invigilate it because my husband was counting for her and then he had to go do something. And so somebody else had to sing it and count 200 more for her. I was just like, oh my God, that's crazy. But I mean, for them, they're so small, right? Burpees are like nothing. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And it's funny because your kids and even uh, Ryan's older kids and then Sierra, they're starting to get into the obstacle course racing world too. And it's so cute watching them do the mini kids races to see how proud they are to get that medal or to go through things. Like they, they definitely model their behavior after us, I think in some way, which is not a bad thing, but it's just so fun seeing like the young, young, young ones now getting into it too. Yeah. And you don't see it when they're really, really small, but I feel like that's when such an impression is made on them, right? It just kind of has to grow a little bit inside them, right? And then you just see it come out in these amazing moments and you just kind of see the impact that, you know, I think a lot of parents think that their working out or their attention to fitness is kind of, you know, I think they have this guilty sense that it's taking away from the family time, taking away from their kids. But I mean, the opposite is true. I mean, the biggest problems that we have right now are things like childhood obesity and, you know, um, kids just becoming more sedentary and devoting themselves more to video games and less to like being out in nature. And when they see us doing these things, it makes a huge impact, right? And so not only for your own like health and well-being as a parent, but also just for that mentorship, You, I don't think you can give your kids a better gift, right? Then being able to go out in nature and um, let them see what benefit fitness and being outside and all that stuff brings to you, right? So I think it just engenders a level of fitness on even before we could even fathom it having an impact on them. Yeah, and it's nothing structured. Like I don't say to Sierra, you know, go do a hundred setups or go do this. I'm like, if you want to run, go run. If you want to go jump, go jump. Like her and I will put boots on and go jump in puddles and she'll roll around with me on the floor. She tries to do yoga and since she's so petite, it's so funny when she does it. But just things like that. It's just little things. Like you don't have to be like, okay, kids, here's your workout schedule. I think that's toxic. They should just go have fun. Like we do. Big adults, we have fun. We play in mud. You know, we get zapped or whatever, but Yeah, exactly. All right, and now we're going to take a quick pause so we can hear from our sponsors. Do you like the BeastNet? Do you want to keep hearing it? Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more, at BeastNetPod. Do you like challenges that are fun, tough, and might use tacos? Head on over to BeastChallenge.com and check out our upcoming events, including Beast's 5K+, a combination of race and endurance event, and the Bucket Mile. Keep an eye on the Beast OCR Facebook group for event gatherings. For more information, head on over to BeastChallenge.com and the Beast's OCR Facebook group. You'll be glad you did. And we're back. 
All good. But uh, okay, so let's. Uh, mm, okay, so Grit Farm. I know that a lot of us, including myself, used to be a part of the big Van City OCR family. So you guys now are working on getting yourself uh, set up with Grit Farm. So why don't you talk about that for a few minutes in case people don't know about it? All right. So yeah, we basically, we lived in Vancouver, big city. And one day I was running down the street. And so, I mean, we lived, man, like seven kilometers um, from the mountains. And then pretty much, you know, you could run into there and get lost in the mountains all day. But there was this like seven kilometer commute every day to get to nature, or I'd have to drive there in traffic. And so anyways, I was doing my regular run over um, the bridge onto the North Shore where the trails are. And I was running down the street and like four or five apartment buildings that were just coming up had AstroTurf as lawns. And I was just like, I like stopped and just looked down and had this epiphany that I just did not feel like the city was, you know, my home anymore. So I really just wanted to get out and be in nature. And it's something that has driven me. I mean, I never grew up in a big city. Um, and so the big city was kind of new for me. And I like Vancouver because of all the trails and stuff, just beautiful on the West Coast. And it really, um, you do have uh, access to just some amazing wilderness, like so close to Vancouver, but we were pretty surrounded, um, you know, in the, in the city before getting there. And, um, we kept on buying more horses. <laughs> so, um, that was a bit of a problem. So we just decided like, okay, hey, now is the time. And so we started looking and looking and then we finally found, and oh my goodness, did we ever, like, we actually gave up before we found this place because we didn't even think about it, but it is so hard to find somewhere that has usable acreage and then is on the side of a mountain. Like, I'm like, I want there to be a mountain in the backyard, but for us to have flat usable acreage. So we go out and we look at these farms that were like beautiful, flat, green, but they'd be in like a fishbowl, right? And you couldn't even, it took you four or five kilometers to get to the trails. And I was like, no, 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 I need the trails in my backyard. So then we'd go and we'd find a place on the side of a mountain, but it didn't have any flat land. So it's like trying to find that kind of Goldilocks. And then my husband wanted to be close enough to the highway because he's still going to commute into the city to go to work. And I wanted to be far enough away from the highway because I, you know, all the cars and pollution and all that. So we really lucked out because this place is just off um, the old highway. So this, where we are, used to be the main highway um, years ago, and they rerouted it through the Coquihalla, anybody that knows BC. So it's kind of like, it's, you know, very well-maintained highway, but it's now very much a secondary highway and gets traveled far less. Um, but it still has kind of the same benefits of a highway. And we're just tucked off that right on about, I'd say, 10 or 20 um, acre farm so we can have like horses and goats and chickens and all that and tons of green pastures and all that wonderful stuff but then there is literally a trailhead that I can look at out my door and you could run to Merritt, Lytton, um, we could run just across the road and run all the way to Harrison Hot Springs and without even hitting a single soul right or a road or anything because this actually the area that we um, moved to it's, and I'm super like a super history geek. I just love, 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 love history. And it's so steeped in this like amazing rich history of first the people, um, obviously first the indigenous people. We have like a ton of different um, tribes that lived in the Fraser Canyon here and then fur trading and then the gold mine and then the logging industry and then the railway industry. So um, it's really just got this totally diverse historical like presence here but then we also have all of the trails like there's a trail that just um, south of us that they built basically to get from the interior of BC to the coast and they sent um, a brigade on it and 70 horses died a guy killed himself <laughs> they only did it once because it was so treacherous because they just decided to shortcut over this awful ridge so I'm like oh man we have to get out there and like you know, see if we can piece together what that trail is and see if we can run on it. You know, so behind our house, even we have just miles and miles and miles of trails that were established in the gold rush era and forestry and logging. And, you know, these trails that are big and widely established and just a giant network, but that most people just don't really use. I mean, there's a few people like we have a trail runner that lives just down the um, block that's, you know, pretty, pretty intense. We have some like mountain bikers and stuff like that, and they go out and use the trails, but you know, it's pretty underexplored here. It's pretty rugged. And, uh, and that's something that really attracted me. I mean, when we were looking through like, where can we live? We looked at, you know, just different like Squamish and Whistler and 
just like, ah, it's just too, too touristy, right? And two, I really want to be in the wilderness and somewhere that's kind of tucked away. And I mean, we're only a couple hours from Vancouver. It only takes my husband, John, like just over two hours to get home from here all the way into the big city. But it's like, nobody even knows that we exist up here in the county. And it's just this like rugged. I mean, people here don't even have cell phones or internet, half of them. Like it's, there's a guy that lives down the block and he's, he jokes that he has running water, but he just has like a waterfall. It's great. Oh, oh. And he, yeah, he literally lives off they're totally off the grid. He doesn't have a phone. He doesn't have running water or power or anything. And that's not crazy uncommon for out here. Like it's, it's weird. Like it's like being back, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I mean, even more for some of our neighbors, but it's pretty cool. Like even one of my neighbor who's pretty technically savvy a while ago, I was, um, he had something and I had to look up the answer on my phone and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm looking on my phone. He's like, ha ha ha. He's like, why would you have the answer to that on your phone? Like I had it saved on my phone or something. I'm like, no, it's the internet. He's like the internet on your phone. And oh, wow. Like, yes. They have the internet on phones now, but it's like, it's so cool here. Cause it's just like a total blast from the past. And I know that uh, you and John, the kids have been busy kind of doing your thing and setting stuff up, seeing lots of pictures on Facebook of the kids just having fun. And the funny ones are your dogs. Are the dogs afraid of the chickens? Chickens afraid of the dogs? Like, what's uh, what's going on with that? <laughs> I think everybody's afraid of that one chicken. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny. We had a little video that we posted there of the dog wanted to play with the chicken and the chicken was not engaged in that situation. So the chicken kept on chasing the dog away and the dog's just like this huge, we have these two livestock guardian dogs and they're like over hundred pounds each. And this chicken's just chasing the dog. And then the dog comes over thinking the chicken wants to play. And then the chicken chases the dog off. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. We actually have a horse that is not afraid at all of our like over hundred pound, you know, giant monster dogs terrified of my child's four pound scared about? He's like a little fluff ball, right? Like those dogs are predators and they could eat you. You should be scared of them, but they're. Yeah, no, that just proves that size doesn't matter, right? If he can hold, the little one can hold his own, then, you know. Oh man, you should see that little four pound dog. (laughs) We had that, he's older, right? And we bought the other dog's puppies. So he just puts those giant, you know, floppy out of control dogs back in their place as soon as uh as soon as they step out of line nice yeah he's a cuter um okay so grit farm where did that name come from like because i know you guys are trying to set up a farm you, you're gonna have some obstacle races which we'll talk about coming up but uh where did the, the grit farm name come from is that something that you and john talked about did it kind of pop out of thin air one day where did that come from um well we were always just talking about like okay so you know for what is it that we really want to accomplish here? And like, what's the main, and I always love that grit, gratitude, and grace. I don't know if you've heard, you've probably heard grit and grace, but I always love mm-hmm. gratitude and grace has always been one of my favorite sayings. Um, so I'm like, that's kind of the, you know, that's where I want to take this. And uh, so the big part of that was just kind of farming grit, you know, like with a farm, you know, you go out there and you tend to the animals and the, you know, garden and all this. And so you you tend to it and you put the effort and the intention and the time and all that in there and you slowly see it um, come to fruition. And it's kind of the same thing with grit, right? It's not something I think a lot of people think that you're just kind of born with it. Um, and it's just like one of those innate qualities that somebody has, but it's one of those things that really takes the same kind of dedication as farming. So we're like, isn't that funny that, you know, we could have this grit farm fitness. So, um, that's kind of where the name came from. And, uh, it ended up, we, we took on that name still when we were in the city because everybody was joking that we were having a farm all of a sudden because then in the city we had chickens and I mean we lived on a pretty big lot in the city a quarter acre so we had all this like you know vegetables growing and bees and chickens and everybody's joking that it's becoming a farm so we actually took on the name Grit Farm Fitness when we were in Vancouver but it just kind of everything kind of lines up perfectly right and it's funny because you know I've taken some different tracks in my life that I'm like oh no 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 this is not working um and now it just, you know, when you're on the right path, it almost just seems like everything just keeps clicking into place. And I kind of feel like that's kind of where we're going with this is finding this crazy property that's only two hours from Vancouver. And, you know, we're like, literally, you could see the trailhead for these trails right on our property. We have a ton of, you know, like, 
even like, cause we have a hundred acres and so 80 of those acres are pushed back. So we literally have like the town's most famous hiking trail. We have this cross that lights up every night. Um, that's about two stories high. That's over top of this gorgeous lookout overlooking the Fraser Canyon. Um, and it's funny, Taylor Sweet, I don't know. You probably know him from Vancouver, super fast, super nice guy. He comes mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm going to come back here just to race. And I totally didn't believe him because he's moving way out east. And he signed up for a couple of our races just because he's like, this is the best finish line I've ever been like, you know, anywhere near is finishing up near this cross. Um, and so it's just, it's weird how stuff works out like that, right? When you feel like all of a sudden you're on the right path and everything just keeps clicking. But if you're on the wrong path, it's like everything feels like a struggle and it's just not working. Um, so I feel like kind of following our heart at this point and, and everything's just kind of lining up, including the Great Farm Fitness name, which is kind of ironic at this point, but um, just a, a sign that we're on the right path, maybe. Yeah, no, for sure. And you can actually hear the excitement and just the spark too. So I can definitely tell you and John have found, uh, I guess, your niche or your homestead if we want to use those terms. Do you like destination racing? Are you looking for an endurance event where you can camp under the stars and be surrounded by nature and be with your friends? Perhaps staying in an on-site cozy B&B is more your style. Well, look no further. Grip Farm Fitness has it all and more. Located just two hours northeast of Vancouver in the beautiful Fraser Valley. Participate in one of their events or just come out for hiking, horses, or much more. Book any activity your heart desires at www.grit-farm.com. That's www.grit-farm.com for our Canadian listeners, eh? So with Grit Farm Fitness, tell us now about the race series you have coming up, because I'm sure anyone that was part of the old pack and Van City OCR, even maybe some of the new ones, want to hear more about the races that you have on tap for 2020. Very exciting. Yeah. So my husband's all full of crazy ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, yep. constantly, we literally had a list of like 20 things and I'm like, okay, we have to distill this down. Um, so we came up with five of these crazy ideas. And, um, I think both of us put together are probably a dangerous combination because we're like, and then this, and then this, you know? Um, so the first one's going to be, uh, on the St. Patty's day, kind of around that, um, time frame. And so we have a ton of obstacles, as you know, because he's been setting up races for different organizations. Like we've worked with, um, a few of the big Rubens Ruckus and stuff events, um, in the Vancouver area. And then the school board, we were setting up events. So, you know, we have the platinum rig and warp walls and walls and, um, just a ton of different obstacles. And so we, and we also have like, we have a one kilometer path around our property here and we have obviously many, many trails at the back. And so we have all these like trails that are cut out and we're, um, like we even have this one in the back and it's just, it's so much fun. Cause you have to jump over these like ponds. So you kind of have to, you know, jump around and then you're around this field. Um, so we're going to put down all the obstacles that we have um, already built just kind of onto the path. And then we're going to build some new ones. We want them all to be kind of like farmy, kind of fun, like, you know, wagon wheels and stuff like that on all of them. So it's just kind of, you know, working on the theme. Because I think a lot of times um, obstacles can be really beautiful, right? So we really want to like work to make it kind of like themed and kind of fun and quirky, just like us. So. And you back to the St. Patty's Day one. We're going to put all the obstacles up into this like super fun loop. And then um, you get different, you collect different like leprechaun coins for completing one. So you can do the platinum rig. You could do it a hundred times in a row and get whatever 50 coins or however many. We haven't totally figured that piece out yet. Um, or you could do the wall, right? A hundred times and get 20 coins. So you, you basically collect these coins and then at the end, the person with the most coins, the highest value wins the race. Um, so it's all just like a timed loop event and uh, you get to collect coins and then trade them in. And it's going to be like super goofy St. Patrick's Day, like over the top, um, you know, green and uh, costumes and everything's going to be like green lights on things and just like super goofy, right? Like we just want to make things quirky and fun. So that's the first one. And then he's going to do a rock. Um, he's done that before and uh, really enjoyed it. Um, so John's putting on a rock there in May and then we're doing a, um, a relay. So it's going to be a 50 kilometer relay, but you do it in teams of two or teams of four. 
And um, between that, we're going to have like, as we call it a smorgasbord. Um, so different like Oreos and like different <laughs> things that you could do with s'mores that are kind of, you know, fun um, and movies playing and just different, like super fun things in games, like giant connect four and giant Jenga and giant Scrabble and like, just get people outside and having fun. Right. And then have the race there. So it's like, it's races hopefully that you can bring your family to. Right. Um, we're trying to make them as kid friendly as possible. Most of them are kid friendly. Most of them are beginner friendly. You know, we expect people to come and walk. We expect people to come and not be able to do the obstacles. Like that is a hundred percent what we expect. Um, and we're hoping just to make it really fun and have more than just the race. So, um, so there's the relay and then we have, um, a 50 K ultra. So obviously that's like the only one where we're like, probably kids are no, but if mm-hmm. you want to bring your kid out and have a very long day, um, you know, Joe to center or something, maybe we'll bring his kids out. Um, but so that's just through the Canyon there. And then we have also a, um, what's called last man standing. So it's eight hours and then you get sent off on the loop every hour. And then, the last, so I imagine that it'll, you know, maybe you'll do two loops and then your third loop will take you longer than the hour or whatever it is. Um, and then you time out and you stick around and you cheer. And again, we're going to have all that same kind of like fun stuff outside of the race happening. And then on the like seventh hour, so it ends at the eighth hour on the seventh hour, whoever's still there, it's the fastest of them that completes that, that wins the race. So I don't know if that makes sense in my explanation because it does. No, it makes sense for <laughs> sure. It makes more sense in my head. Um, but uh, yeah, so the last man standing is that one. And it's going to be just like quirky Western theme. Like we want people to come with their like, you know, holster with the guns. And just like we want people to like totally make, you know, just make it fun. And that's mm-hmm. kind of our thing. Right. And we have, you know, we have a bunch of different like cabins. We have cabin tents. Um, and everything like that. So there's a ton of accommodations on site. We actually also have, oddly enough, there is not a freaking grocery store to be found anywhere here in the canyon. Oh, wow. But we have two restaurants that are like almost five stars on Yelp that I can walk to within three minutes. It's the weirdest thing. Um, but this used to be like a really big tourist area Well, when the highway went through here and the highway got rerouted and everything kind of shut down a little bit. So, but these two restaurants, one of them is a guy that came from Vancouver and there's actually an article that's hilarious because they're basically like just joking that, cause he's uh, I guess he was a hipster and he came and he's like a big food. He had some, one of those like really high end, um, niche kind of restaurants in Vancouver. And he came out here and he opened like a greasy spoon next door to us but like a high-end greasy spoon but just you know like it's like whatever sandwiches burgers and stuff but the food is just like amazing and then yeah we have this other homestyle diner that's just we walk to on the other side there's like a really nice campground again within walking distance there's actually a dilapidated zoo just down the street which is also fun um not running because the cages like they have a bear cage and it's oh. about the size of my bathroom um, but I mean, they operated back when it was like the good part about zoo was keeping an animal in a cage so small you could see it. Right. So I don't think that zoo's ever opening, but it's kind of fun that there's like, my husband's like the other day, he's like, why are you so, uh, obsessed with the dilapidated zoo next door? And I was like, did that question actually come up? Oh, it's a dilapidated zoo. Like so much fun. Like all the cages and stuff are still there. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so it used to be a tourist area. So we still have like all this like amazing tourist infrastructure. Um, and the restaurants are still running and like, yeah, literally you can walk to them within a couple of minutes from our place. So I think like, I don't know how we stumbled upon this, but it literally feels like paradise. Very, very cool. And it sounds like those races will definitely, uh, be good for giggle. It's nice to it because a lot of races don't often include the whole family. It's one person or the other. So it's kind of really cool to hear about so if someone is so inclined to sign up for one or all where do they go to find out about those races what's the one so it's just um yeah it's just like www.grit dash so the one that's in the middle <laughs> a line that's in the middle not the bottom um dash farm f-a-r-m.com and then it just there has all the stuff on there it's like 2020 races um and then you can just kind of sign up from there um, and then yeah, accommodations, you can just kind of book there or we can refer you to, we also have two mo two motels also within walking distance. Um, and I mean like less than five minutes walking distance. So, um, yeah, we're well set up to kind of host 
people, but we want people to come and like make it, we don't want like so much like the s'mores thing was funny because it was actually when we went to the uh, OCR world championship in Juro and we had, we couldn't find graham crackers in Australia. It was crazy. So we just got these like digestible cookies, but we were making s'mores because um, they had a fire and they were like, what is that? All the Australian people and were like, they're s'mores. So we were making people s'mores and and it just became this like funny thing. Right. So, um, we just want people to come and like have fun for the whole weekend. We don't want it to just be like, okay, you do your race, you go home, get in the car. You know, like our thing is like the reason we got involved in OCR and the reason we love OCR so much is the community, you know? And like when we went to the OCR world championships in Juro, it was like hanging out the whole weekend. Right. And like, there's this like vibe and it's just fun. And you're just hanging out and, you know, like maybe you're playing like silly little board games or just relaxing and talking like there's just so much to the community that it just seems like a waste just to go to a race and then go home we really want to make it like you know that like weekend away feel with people that are like like-minded and just want to have a good time and be out in nature and you know have these fitness adventures and challenge themselves and just have that like whole package experience not just like race get in your car and go home we want it just to be like fun weekends bring the family you know there's going to be stuff kind of for everybody to do. It's not just like the kids are just watching you race. There's going to be like a ton of stuff for them to do. And obviously that just comes from our like love of being in the community and the fact that we have kids and we've always brought them along. Right. And uh, I guess it's just our, our values and what we'd want to see. And so we just kind of, you know, looked at that and we were like, okay, we have these like little small fry races going on and we don't want them to be big things. We don't want, you know, don't expect to come and there's going to be this whole like, you know, um, super race production. You know, we do have nice medals and stuff now. I no longer make those by hand. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we kind of want that like quirky down home, big community feel. Yeah, no, I was going to say it's too bad because I know how much work went into the medals because I've got, I think, one or two of the Grip Farm ones. And I like them because it's funny. You were telling us stories how the kids did this and they cut the strings too short for there. And it's just so cute. Yeah, I mean, I really like that. <laughs> At some point, it's like, because I was like, last year I got these like little log cutouts and then I like drew the little bullhead and wrote grit farm on it with like a wood burner and stuff so you know that was fun I would totally do that again it's just that has to be like such a small thing and then um we came across these medals and uh I was like well I wonder how like somebody else would design it and this guy just I'm like wow I love that I you know um that is definitely worth I would I would have that medal so um I decided it was time and uh that those medals won my heart enough to make the decision to have actual medals. So that's cool, though, for sure, for sure. Um, so I'm just trying to think about other things I want to talk about. All right, and now we're going to take a quick pause so we can hear from our sponsors. Like what you hear? Make sure and subscribe and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're using YouTube, please click the little red subscribe icon, then click the little bell for notifications of future episodes. And if you could, give us a thumbs up. And we're back. Right now, and actually, as you know, I'm actively doing it. You are offering a coaching course for obstacle sport. Did you want to talk a little bit about that to let people know what's going on? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's something I've been doing since 2011. Um, as you know, is just coaching people through obstacle uh, course races. And we've kind of come up, my husband and I, with like a a pretty unique, I'd say, set of things that we work on with people, but things, you know, that you can do to like, say you have a bar, you can do things with that bar or a wall. Like most people have a wall somewhere. If you live in a house, you probably have a wall. Um, but even if you just have like a wall and a bar, things that you can show people to like technically make them better at obstacles, like for instance, the wall. Um, so I've just developed this kind of system of progressions and things over the years that I use with my clients and, um, that I just started teaching to people. And, uh, so I did the course live in person. It was awesome. I've really had a good time with it, but I can't really be traveling around the world and it's not something that necessarily needs to be live. So, um, for me, like when I'm taking continuing education courses, I really like having the online option. Um, and that's not something that I really saw being done a huge amount, um, with OCR training. I mean, you don't see a ton of people, um, coaching people how to be coaches. Um, and way back years ago, I was actually a pro trainer for CamFit Pro. So, you know, I taught the group fitness instruction, like, 
um, and invigilated and like certified instructors and stuff like that. So I had that background of teaching fitness to fitness professionals. And um, I feel like I just had this kind of unique system. I, I find a lot of times when you see see like an OCR program, it doesn't have a lot of grip, you know, maybe they're doing pull-ups or maybe they're hanging from a bar doing a dead hang. Um, but you see a lot of times people are doing like just tech, like typical fitness stuff, which is good. You need to have a solid, you know, functional fitness base to be an OCR athlete, but I think it needs to progress from there, um, in terms of technique, right. Uh, for swinging from your hips and, um, being able to swing a leg up and all this stuff and stop your swing. You know, if you're on a rig and you get out of control, like, how do you stop that? So there's all these like little pieces that I've picked up over the years and these exercises that I've developed, um, in these kind of progressive from very fundamental level to the more advanced level and how to switch things up and make them more difficult and really build not only on the strength and mobility required for something, all so to that to speak to the technical aspect which i think a lot of people are missing so anyways i put together this course with the progressions and stuff like that um it is a little bit like you know there's some things that i would like to do to make it um a little more polished it's a little less polished um that i might like it to be but um i still have it up there for only 199 us which um for an obstacle uh race co- coaching <laughs> obstacle course racing certification is pretty, uh, pretty on the, on the cheap. And there's some really, really, I feel like really, really good material in there and some really good progressions and just way to, um, think it out and stuff. And I've, I've had some really good feedback so far. Um, just in terms of like, somebody was like an hour on grip. <laughs> I don't know if you read that yep, one. Well, she posted yeah. the group. She's like, I was like, what is she going to talk about for an hour? Is she just going to be hanging on a bar for an hour? And she was like, Oh my God. I like, an hour on grip and there is not a second wasted. Like I learned so much. There was just so much you can do with a bar that I am not doing. Um, and so much technical stuff that you can literally do with a pull-up bar. So anywho, I'm really glad to have it out. Um, it's at a pretty low cost right now. I'll probably finish it and make it a little more technically clean and pop the price up at some point. But I really wanted to just put uh, my thoughts out there and what I've been doing in my progressions out there and get a little bit of feedback and kind of get that that out there and going. It is CC accredited through CanFit Pro. So, you know, if you are certified with CanFit Pro, which is Canada's uh, national fitness certification body, so maybe not in the US, um, but you can go and get your credits uh, without having to pay or have, you know, the course, whatever accredited at extra. Um, so that's all accredited that way. And um, yeah, I just think it's, uh, it's a really cool thing and uh, just a very different approach to progressions in OCR. Um, so even just for people that aren't coaches and they just want to like get a little extra um, insight into their own training, I think it can be quite helpful. It is because some of the stuff you've taken me through as one of your coaching clients, I'm like, what is she thinking? Why am I doing this? Like, <laughs> I sometimes no don't sense. explain it. And you don't, when you see no. that, you're like, oh, that's why she does that. That Okay. You know, like if I have somebody that can't muscle up over a wall, I do a lot of hip mobility with them. And they're like, this is weird. Like, why are you just because I can't climb over a wall? Why are you doing all this weird hip mobility stuff with me opening up my adductors and stuff? And it's so that you can walk up a wall, right? Um, or, you know, like if I have a woman that does kickboard uh, you know, a woman that gets over a wall and can use like the kickboard at the bottom, then I'll do some of that stuff, you know? And sometimes unless you explain it, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of the progression, but it's stuff that I've, uh, you know, you, I've, for instance, when I first started coaching, I'd have ladies that never use the kickboard in training because it's very hard to, you know, um, to get that. A lot of the walls built at OCR gyms even are built by men and they don't have that little kick rail at the bottom that, um, you find in, in some of the events, right? So, um, they'd run in and they just bash their knee right into the wall every time. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Or they just try to like step on it without that. So, you know, like I do this, like you go up to the step and then you crouch and then you, you know, you turn your leg out and then, and so I'd walk them through just on a step. So they don't have that intimidation of the wall. So, you know, you kind of see those progressions and it makes a lot more sense. Um, but it's all just because I've seen somebody running into a wall 
50 times in a row and bashing their knees and then be like, no, 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 we need to stop. We need to do something else here. And then just taking them away from the wall and then working, you know, on basic gym equipment that I had available that anybody would have available. And it's just been working with people since 2011 and uh, seeing the common threads and the common places that people are struggling and just make their lives easier by giving them actual exercises, not just like squats and pull-ups, right? Oh, yes. No, I totally agree. Because, and now that I've gone through like the obstacle part of the course and the progression exercises, I'm like, oh, okay, there's a reason for that. Then she just wasn't in a mood to rub her hands together and cackle. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. I feel bad for my clients in the gym sometimes. They're like, what am I doing? Like, everybody in the gym is looking at me so weird. They're like, that's not how you use a pull-up bar. But you know what, though? The things <laughs> it works. the things you do, you've been doing it for so long. And like, for example, a couple weeks ago, even though it was modified, I did a Murph. Like, I was on the, the yeah. mat on my floor, you know, and I'm like, I'm done. But I'm like, I just did that. And it's just the sense of accomplishment. All the little build-ups, even the OCR stuff, bring to the bigger build-up. So everyone who's listening, Allison definitely knows what she's talking about. So yeah, you, you'll want to check out her, uh, her certification course. Some of it gets technical, but, uh, it's well put together. It's cute because you can hear her kids and her dog in the background. Yeah. So always, always. I'm surprised you don't hear my kids and the dog in the background now. (laughs) Uh, No, actually it's quiet. Is everything okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not really sure. Uh, but yeah, no, it's funny because some of it, like, you know, my husband would have me doing these like silly things at the park on the bar. And I'm like, why am I doing this? This is dumb. And then you get to the obstacle race like two or three weeks later and there's a new obstacle. And guess what? The thing that I was doing at the park that made no sense at the time is now. So I'm like, are you sort of a weird psychic? So it's just kind of some stuff that I've picked up here and there and then just kind of pulled into the program. But my favorite thing with you doing Murph was Sierra saying you had the Mertz. That is kind of right. (laughs) Oh, Mike and Casey didn't catch that. So the day after, obviously after doing anything intense, you're sore. So Sierra came up to me. She goes, mommy, how are your Mertz? I'm like, what's a Murph? She goes, Murph? Hurts, Mertz. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty clever, actually. Love it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it's all good. And then people. Yeah, she is. I thought it was funny. I was laughing. And actually, because of all the stuff I've done, I wasn't as sore as I thought I would be. So, it progression step by step, it all helps. So, um, and then, question, Allison, are you taking on any more online clients in case someone hears this and says, oh, I have to have her? I have to have her. No, you never know. Um, I am. Yeah, now I am. Uh, I have a few clients that are off in the off season here. And um, so, yeah, I have a few spots open. So if you are interested in like personal online training, I have a really fun platform that I use and it has videos that you watch and then you do the thing and then you can post your video. Um, So it's really this kind of like, and I know charity has been with me for years and years. And uh, back in the day, I just send her like, written program of what Mm -hmm. to do and you know it was almost like throwing a program into a black hole and being like okay just you know you know it was like oh you didn't have that kind of and now I feel like you know I see what people are doing like every day and it just makes such a difference when I can like be in there in their home with them watching them do an exercise and then I can see like oh you know they need to work on this or they need to because you know you give somebody whatever 10 pull-ups and, you know, you don't know how their range is working. What muscles are they using? You know, are they doing them in a way that's actually going to progress them um, strength wise? So to be able to like see and be like, okay, we need to get more into your back. So this is what we're going to do. Or like, you know, you can do that way too easy. So we need to add reps or add weight or whatever. So yeah, it's just an amazing tool to be able to kind of work back and forth. And it's just increased um, like my intimacy with my clients so amazingly. Cause it's just, it's almost like I'm there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And if you are one of her clients, you're listening, make sure you post your videos. If she asks you nicely, make sure you give her that video <laughs> <laughs> or else I start asking non-nicely. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I have people that post literally everything that they do. And, uh, I have people that, you know, they'll go on every two weeks and be like, yep, 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 yep. And I'm like, well, how did it go? What happened? Like, oh yeah. So just, it's funny. Everybody, right. Has the different level of how they want to communicate. And so I am accepting of that, but it, you know, the more you can get out of any training program, mine or whatever is the more you give to your coach, right. The more numbers, the more data, Um, People are sometimes afraid to give me too much, but it's like, if it's too much, then I just won't look at that. And I won't 
put it down, right? But more is always better, no matter who you have as a coach or what kind of program or platform or whatever you're on, even probably whatever sport, right? There's the more information, the better. Yeah. And then you also, on top of that, um, right now we're in, I can't day we in maybe day five or six or seven she's got an online uh, form running uh, course as well um so that's kind of cool she uses one of her tools to work on things like form and arm swing and everything and it's a very interactive group we all post videos we all kind of say hey we like it we can see this or we can see that so um if someone wants to sign up for that as well allison where do they find it same well no actually different place uh that would be on allison ty so a l l I-S-O-N-T-A-I.com. And that's just the run form, the online run form clinic. And so every day you get um, a newsletter and just to your inbox, like an email one, and it'll have like a little video of like, hey, do this drill. And then this is why you're doing this drill. And um, then post your video to Facebook. So, you know, you don't, again, you don't literally have to post your, <laughs> your video every day, but you know, usually it has that option or like your experience or whatever. And the group is amazing. Like I really, really love, love, love when I have an online group like this and people are so engaged and so passionate about learning and just soaking it all up. And this is the kind of group that we have right now. And it just makes my heart so darn happy to have that group just a hundred percent in it and just trying to help each other out and really supportive. And so, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been really great so far and we have the rest of the month ahead of us. So every day it's a different thing. I did an uh, an in-person run form clinic. And I even did it as part of the OCR and it is a major component of the coding coaching certification as well, but it's a lot to take in at once. And, um, I'd have people just kind of deer eyed at the end being like, I don't even know. So I found it really like helpful to break things down into 30 little pieces and you just do one piece each day. And uh, it makes a lot more sense and a lot more gets absorbed. And some of it, yeah, you may already know, right. Especially if you've been running for a long time. But there is always, always, always something. And I have people that are like doing it for the third time, second, third time. Um, at this point, I think maybe even somebody did four. Um, but anyways, there, there's constantly something that you pick up, right? Even if you've done it a few times, as your run form evolves, you know, you do kind of absorb things in a different way and different things resonate with you. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I'm in round two, actually. And the last time we did, I saved all the emails. So in case the new ones get uh, eaten by my spam, I have them still, which is very, very Andy. Yeah, yeah. And I always um, like people that have done it. I'm like, whatever, just give me your name and I'll sign you up again. And you can keep going through every single time. Um, because it also helps the newer people, right? Um, because then the people that have already like the veterans who had already done the course can go in there and analyze their video and be like, oh, you know what? I think it's cadence or, you know, you're not taking your hips with you. And that's almost the most amazing thing for me is because I look at that and I'm like, oh, you know, like they're getting this, you know, people are really under understanding it fully and are now able to give that information to somebody else that comes and shows their video. So yeah, it's really, really, it's a great community. And there's just, just kind of like, um, tribal learning thing. I want to say like everybody's kind of growing and helping each other out and, uh, kind of navigating the waters to find better form and less injury and move faster and stuff. So yeah, it's been really neat. But yeah, so for everyone who's listening at home, as you can see, Allison's gone from triathlete to uh, obstacle course racing champion. She's been coaching for years. She's teaching running. She's teaching certifications. So even if you go to that first race and go over that first wall, that could take you anywhere. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to keep racing. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to keep running. There are many things that you can do to contribute to your community. And I know, um, Mike, you can speak to this if you're still here, buddy. I think you are. I see you. Um, that uh, in the obstacle course race community, there's so many different ways you can help people and give back. And so I wanted to just try and highlight some of the different ways and and, uh, you know, it, it, it's always good. We're here to help each other. We are a big family. That is what it yes, is. I'm still here. We're a big family. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a, a, an off-kilter, well, maybe not an off-kilter question for you, Allison. So uh, there is a little unfortunate um, issues right now with, with one of the bigger races in OCR. We know I'm not going to get into the politics and stuff because that's not what the podcast is about. Um, would... If things don't pan out for a certain 24-hour race, would you and John consider holding anything like that on your farm? You know what? Capacity, but... John's going to kill me for saying this on a podcast, but I had this thought the other day. So one of my friends, Ian Jackson, is he did this like club fat ass. It's probably most places on earth, I think, is this fat ass running event. So... Ultra marathoners kind of got together and they were like, let's do our own race, right? And so OCR World Championships kind of did it where everybody kind of gets involved. So I was like, how much fun would it be to have like 
a Woodstock weekend, like 24 hours, but not have um, the like racy component, just have like the, the community component and have like an informal race. So have, you know, like start and finish and all that, but not need like, you know, have people come and be part of it and have people help design the course and maybe put in their own obstacles, obviously supervised and stuff like that. But, you know, they always had this design your own obstacle thing. I'm like, how much fun would it be if people came out here like the week before and actually designed their own obstacles with the help of obviously people that are in construction and know what they're doing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like this kind of like Woodstocky club fat assy kind of feel. And then um, there's also this kind of component that you see where people, they can't afford it because that race that we're talking about is yes. very expensive, right? It's mm-hmm. a lot of money. So what if we did the same kind of thing for free and it wasn't, you know, obviously there's not prize money and the winner is just kind of known, but I mean, there's, there's that like, just like grassroots kind of feel to it. And I think that'd be really is um, just like having the community kind of put on their own event, right? And uh, I mean, we'd obviously be willing to host that here. It really could be anywhere, but I think that would be kind of a fun thing um, for the Mutter community. Oops, I said it. Because um, <laughs> like, I, like, I was like heartbroken, right? Because again, mm-hmm. it's like that community, there's the people in that community are just like so different from anybody else. And there's this like just intense connection right between us and Mm -hmm. um I was really heartbroken and I was like what's gonna happen to that community and it's like god I hope nothing because it's that's just kind of what we did like that's just one piece um but it was really and I'm speaking in past tense but obviously that's not the case right now but I mean up until this point it was so much about the community and so much about the people and their quirkiness and the home that they found in this weird little sport right mm-hmm. and so I think that you know there's a way that you could still have that and um maybe even continue its evolution right if it's not about racing why not just put on our own little thing right and um just have fun and uh just bask in the amazingness that is this community because it really doesn't no matter what happens mm-hmm. to the company behind it the company was the amazing people that were there and the amazing people that attended it right so i think you know it just needs some vehicle to continue um but it doesn't necessarily need to be under that company so who knows what's going to happen but i think it would be kind of fun to do kind of like a club fat assy woodstocky kind of event with the hardcores from the community that um because that's really what makes it special it's not even about the races i mean honestly you go to like whatever boston pizza with <laughs> that group of people and it's going to be a friggin' blast mm-hmm. so it doesn't really matter where that community is or even what they're doing it's like the people that comprise that community are just so darn special that um it just it would be crazy to let that um break apart because of anything that ever happens with the corporate world. Yeah, knocking on wood, you know, hopefully things get resolved and that race can move forward. But if it doesn't, I agree. And I think this is um, one of the reasons that uh, we decided to like throw this podcast together too, because we're trying to basically join, you know, Canada with the US. We got our beast family there. We have, you know, Grit Farm here. And it's about the people getting us all together, maybe even having more homegrown events, because who knows, maybe homegrown will be the next big thing instead of these big races that you know are getting more expensive people would rather go for the weekend and do the small races and just get together mike would you agree completely agree yeah that's one thing that you know us at beastnet and beast ocr down here in washington have really been pushing a lot is what we call race local um and that's just getting out and supporting the local events we have so many here in washington that we've seen come and go because there's no support because everyone wants the big guys and I find the smaller events are better in a lot of ways. It's more family oriented. It's more it's more about the racers and less about the name. And I've noticed that more and more with some of the bigger companies is that they start to get to be about the name, their name, rather than about the racers. And the the smaller ones are more about the racers and making it fun for everybody. So yeah, I'm all for the locals. Yeah. And the thing about local races that I can speak to as a local race organizer is even if you have a very successful local event, you are not making any money. Like it is, your margins are so close. So the people that are organizing local events, I mean, maybe somebody is, but we certainly have never made money at a local event. Um, We do this corn maze race where you run through the corn maze and 
we are lucky to break even every single time, right? But we do it because we're passionate and we love it, right? So when I see a local race go under that, for me especially, is like, oh, because you know whoever was behind that, it was a labor of love, right? They're not doing it most likely, right? To get famous or have money or anything like that. It's literally just a labor labor of love. And if nobody attends to that, it's just like, oh, you know, it, it hurts a little just, you know, knowing what that person is probably going to, because it is a hard thing. So, you know, if people are supporting their local races, we'll be able to grow those and make them even better. And um, that's just going to continue, right? To be able to provide a better event. So, you know, you go to a local event and they're struggling, it's probably because they're struggling, right? So, you know, you're attending and you're supporting the local races, even if they don't have, you know, huge sound systems or whatever that these big races have, um, they're going to be able to make their events better, right? And they're probably there for the love of it. So, um, I just think that's a great initiative and just want to say thank you for putting it out there as a local race organizer. It is tough. And um, to have that support is absolutely amazing. So thank you. Thank you for that. And so, John, if you're listening. Hey, I was I was just going to say again that I, I love the local races. I've done a couple this year and I did one this year and it felt like I was back in school every test. I was just out there having fun. I didn't care about how fast I did it. I didn't care about anything but enjoying it. And it had been a long time since I had that feeling. So uh, that's what I love about the, lo- the the race locals. It's not – sometimes you feel pressure at some of the bigger races to do better and to do things and to try things. And at the, the, the local ones, it's like I said, it's about fun and community. So, yes, definitely, definitely local. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want it to just be about the race either, right? We want it to be about the whole, like, community, the weekend and stuff like that. And so I think that, you know, where we're going to differ greatly – and um, not have that same standard in t- terms of like a production viewpoint, you know, we're obviously like not even trying to compete. Um, but I feel like the value then comes in the other stuff that, you know, like you go to a big race and it's, you have to pay for baggage and this and that, and there's no food. And so we really want to have all of that other stuff. Right. Um, and it's the same if you go to like a, I find the same with running, right? You go to a local race. I went to one and it was, <laughs> I thought it was a fairly big ultra marathon. And I was like, where's the start line? And they're like, there in the middle of the parking lot. And I was like, oh, so we start and finish in the middle of a parking lot, but they had the best, like small festival after, right? It's like a big barbecue and just the best atmosphere. And I think that's what makes local races different right? Is it's not about that high production point. It's about all those little things that, um, you know, they try to put in and they really, really care, uh, what the racers experience is. Not that the big guys don't because they absolutely do, but the, the value comes from a very different place, I think, between the big guys and the little guys for sure. Well, I tell you, I know it's good that we're starting to promote the more local ones. And John, you did hear Allison. She would like to host an endurance event at the farm if that other big race folds. And actually, Mike, wouldn't that be fun if we got Beasts plus Van City OCR plus Grip Farm to put our heads together to plan something like that? That would be so much fun, I think. That would be. I know um, if you reach out to Adam with Beasts, um, I know they've been working with uh, Kyle and a few others on something that called the Sagittarius series, which is a bunch of the smaller race, you know, companies working together to make metals that actually interlock with each other. And it's, yeah, it's a whole thing where they're all working together to promote each other. So that might that be something that, you know, so cool. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. We just, so I just did an episode with, with Kyle about that and it's, it's amazing. So, I mean, if you, that might be something to talk to Adam and Kyle about us, you know, maybe being, you, you know, becoming involved in the Sagittarius series with them. So it's a pretty cool thing that they're working on there. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. And if like local races, I don't know, it's so funny because we're a little bit far up the Canyon here, but we're not really that far from Seattle. It's like, whatever, I think probably like a four hour drive. I'm just guessing. Depends how fast it's it is. Yeah, but if you want to bring like obstacles out or whatever, right? Like we could put those all out and have kind of just like, you know, like almost like the obstacle world championships where they have people bring obstacles out, but it could be kind of like a fat ass, just kind of fun woodstocky kind of community event. Very small, but, um, you know, very local and very fun. I think it could be, I think it could be good. The wheels are turning. I can hear that. Yeah, now, now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. John's got, I'm like, to no. this podcast. I've invited a few hundred people. Yep, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 
I, uh, last month, I drove 17 hours to go to a race, so four isn't too bad. So No, it's not. Yeah. It is honestly the most beautiful drive I've ever done. Past Hope, like, like there's a Hope is on the main highway there, and then you're driving up the canyon here and through these like old tunnels and just kind of on the, the edge of the canyon, and it's just kind of winding through, and I don't know. It's it's beautiful, um, and it's definitely worth the drive, but um, we are we are definitely out here in the wilderness, that's for sure. Yeah, but that's good sometimes. True. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, the air here is so fresh. And the stars, it's funny because I thought in BC, most of the problem with cloud cover, but apparently it's um, uh, just the light pollution. Like the stars here are just so vivid. It's crazy. Uh, We actually just like lay around in the summer half the time at night, just staring up at the stars and the, just the amount of detail you forget what the sky actually looks like, right? Um, and it's just, uh, it's amazing because there's not too many places left, I don't think, on Earth where the light pollution is so low that you can see detail on the stars like that. So nope. it's uh, it's kind of cool to to live out here and not have much disturbing our picture of the night sky. I always I always love looking up at the stars, though. So. Aw. Well, uh, Mike, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Because I think we're running a tiny bit long here. I'd like, and Allison, if you're willing, we'd like to have you back again. Oh talk man, can I talk? Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, so can I. That's what I'm saying. How we might want to cut this down. <laughs> oh, I was doing a uh, super uh-huh. race one time, and uh, John was like, "Look at this," because he was watching. He's like, "Every video, you are talking to someone." He's like, "It's a super run." I was like, "I can run and talk. <laughs> talking fuels yeah, me. I talk. talk. That's what I do." Oh. Yeah, but no, no I'd love to come back. On. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, I didn't have any more questions. So, I mean, I've just been honestly kind of enjoying listening to you guys talk. So, yeah. Well, that's good. And uh, yeah. So if again, Allison, maybe just uh, throw out your social media handles and your websites one more time in case someone missed it during our conversations back and forth. So if they want to reach out to you for anything, questions, they can. Sure. Okay. So Facebook. Make sure that they get on the, yeah, that they're on the, when we share this, it'll be tagged on there too. Okay. So Facebook is just great farm fitness. You can find me there or Allison Ty coaching. Um, or actually just Allison Ty, I think. And then Instagram handle. I like to change every other week just to throw people off. She does farm fitness now. I know. Oh my God. Um, really, really throws people when I keep changing my Instagram handle, but, um, I hopefully have landed on grip farm fitness and I'll stay there. I just can't have that many social media accounts. Um, cause especially with Instagram, I'm just not very, um, but yeah, so grip farm yeah. fitness on Instagram and then just Allison Ty on Facebook. And then obviously we have a grip farm fitness page on Facebook. We just put up, we also have a group called grip farm fitness that, um, is pretty good. And that's just basically BC obstacle course racers get on there and uh, make plans for amazing things and have some good banter. And uh, that's a good one. Just if you're an obstacle course racer in BC, it's a good little home for you on the web. And I think that's it. I already said my website and Mike already said that he had all the links. So find me there or just send out a smoke signal or something. <laughs> and I'll find you. All right. Well, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. I know Mike's enjoyed the the conversation there and i hope you guys both have a good night we'll have to do something like this again soon we'll have ryan on with us next time too oh fun all right well thank you guys it was so good to chat with y'all thanks for listening to the bsnet podcast if you haven't done it yet find us on facebook like and share the podcast give us a review on itunes or spotify all these things will help to expand the show in the future this show is brought to you by james safety services in partnership with beat ocr Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at beastsocr.org.